Hey guys, welcome to the Launch and Scale podcast. I'm Kirsten Ross, and this podcast, we talk about best practices when it comes to launching and scaling your physical product brand online. Whether you're doing Kickstarter or even launching your own brand online, we help you with best foundational practices and conversations around helping you build a brand that you can sell or at basic support your lifestyle so that you can quit your nine to five and live life on your terms Super excited. You can dive into more resources and previous episodes at kirsten.com. Hey guys, welcome to the Launch and Scale show. If you're on YouTube, be sure to give us a big thumbs up and subscribe so that we know what content you like and what you don't like. Um, I have kind of a serendipitous interview today. Um, Dan Dembski from Umbram Marino uh, has been a name that has come across my desk and in social circles for the last two to three years. And when uh, someone on his team actually uh, reached out to me to say, hey, I think Dan would be a really awesome guest on your show. I was like, first off, I didn't put two and two together. I was like, who's Dan? Wait, okay, so I'm going into my inbox and I realized that actually Dan and I have worked together on a past crowdfunding campaign because he used to run a video uh, videography agency out of Toronto here. And then he went on, I'm going to let him tell his story, but like then he went on to actually create and use his skills to create a successful travel apparel company. Um, and Unbound Merino is a name that a lot of my, like my friends in the digital nomad space, they love, they love the quality, they love how easy they are to travel with. Anyway, I'm just, I'm really excited to dig into the brand today. And I love the fact that, um, Dan, his company was really founded off of a successful Indiegogo campaign. And so today we're going to be focusing on, um, how did he actually beat the odds and take it from a successful raise to a thriving company today? And even what are some challenges that a travel apparel company is facing today in the midst of what is going on? But anyway, that's it. So Dan, I'm just like so excited to have you here. Yeah. Thanks for having me. So why don't we, I like to start every interview, um, assuming that some listeners may have never heard of your company before. So can you give me just a high level of what Unbound Merino is and really how you got started with it? Like what gave you the idea? Well, you know, it's a long story of how the idea came to be, but, you know, to make a long story really short, mm-hmm. uh, I discovered Merino Wool through a series of events, and I was looking for stuff that would help me travel lighter because Merino Wool is antibacterial and odor-resistant, but everything that I would find in the market was, it, it was made as activewear or for, like, you know, the purpose of outdoors, you know, going portage and things like that, and the clothing looked that way. So I, I ended up with... It, it, it was my honeymoon. It was the first time I ever traveled with Merino wool. And it wasn't, this was before we had Unbound Merino. But when I look back at the pictures, I'm at a cocktail bar and I'm wearing a shirt that looks like I should be going and doing a, a track and field or something. So uh, I, I started looking deeper. Can I find simple, stylish basics that were made of this awesome material? And I just mm-hmm. couldn't find the stuff that I wanted. So I had this aha moment that if, you find that hole in the market, maybe it's your opportunity. So um, I've seen that as a pattern of success with many of my friends who've created successful e-commerce businesses. And I'm like, this is it. This is uh, this is the idea. And I was losing sleep over it. I needed to do it. Um, the problem is, is we didn't have the money to do it. We didn't know how to make clothing. We had no idea what we were doing. So crowdfunding was that way of getting it started to validate the idea, but also get the capital. Like if it worked, if if we found that product market fit, we'd have the capital to start the company. So, yeah, and 
Um, with with that being said, like so, Indiegogo was for funding, but it ended up being so much more than that. Um, I, again, this isn't an interview to focus on how you had a, a three hundred and seventy five thousand dollar Indiegogo campaign, but more uh, first off, like I'm just going to edit this part of the question. Yeah, in in terms of like you went to Indiegogo, why did you go Indiegogo versus Kickstarter first? Um, you know, it, a friend of mine said, go with Indiegogo because you can actually talk to the people that work there and then they'll help you along the way. And we ended up crafting a deal with them that if we were to raise 30% of our funding goal, they put us in our newsletter, which right. you've probably heard of them doing that before. So mm-hmm. to me, it was like, okay, that's good enough because we couldn't get a hold of Kickstarter. Uh, it was one or the other. I wasn't sure which mm-hmm. one would be better, but that seemed like a good approach. Like, it was a good perk. Let's talk to these people. They'll help us. They'll be there for us. We're so, so concerned with doing it right. We were doing all of our due diligence. And just being able to have them as a, a an accessible resource was one thing. And then that deal with the marketing. So we just decided to go with Indiegogo on that. And, you know, maybe if we went on Kickstarter, maybe it would have been bigger. Maybe it would have been way worse. We don't know. But it was such a good experience with Indiegogo. So I think we made the right decision. Yep. That makes sense. And as this was your first time getting into the apparel space, what is something, one thing that really surprised you about the apparel space? You know, every, every facet of what we did was just not the way things are supposed to be done. Like we had no business getting into the clothing business. We had no idea how to make clothing. There's a very specific industry standard way of how you make clothing. And that's definitely not what we did, but we did is we went to Gap and Banana Republic and H&M and all of the big brand stores, and we tried on all the sh- T-shirts, and we would we literally put Post-it notes on the shirts. Like, we like the neck on this shirt, and we like the way the sleeves fit on this shirt, and we sewed them on these notes, yep, and yep. we mailed them off to our manufacturers and had them Frankenstein together a shirt, and then we fitted that on, and didn't fit right so we gave them notes on our own shirt and we, we did this back and forth and back and forth over a year and a half until we had all the right fits um i think the fact that we had no idea what we were doing but we were willing to just go ahead and do it anyway um was probably a it probably worked to our advantage because uh i i think sometimes if the more naive you are the more likely you are to break through and when I talk to people in the clothing business, they're always so blown away with like, how did you get into it without having any like industry knowledge? You didn't go to school for the, and then like, honestly, we, we, we put post-it notes on t-shirts. That's how we made our prototypes. Right. So I was talking with another guy who created a, a chain of restaurants and he said how naive he was and having no business being in the food industry is probably why his restaurants in Toronto are so successful. Yeah. Um, because he just had a vision without knowing all of the challenges that were ahead and he just broke down the walls. So, you know, what I was surprised to go back to your question, what surprised me about the clothing business was that there is this way of doing things. And it's like this closed door club of like, everyone is, they, they, they have this way of doing things and I just ignored it all. And yeah. I, that was probably a huge advantage. That's how, because you didn't stick to a system that you learned, like, let's just say that you worked for 10 years in the fashion industry in Toronto, you would have a very set way of doing something that would actually, 
you probably wouldn't be successful like you guys are today because you weren't in a space to innovate because you literally knew nothing, which was a massive yeah. advantage for you. And we weren't focusing so. on the, the patterns and the methods and the things that people do. Now, having said that, we now work with um, clothing designers who are, are incredible. You know, we've worked with some yeah. of the biggest brands, uh, making some of the, the, the most popular clothes in in the world, like they were a part of these amazing teams and they got us to a place of maturity. But as far as just getting started, you, you don't really need to know anything. You just have to get started. And, and, uh, that's sort of the approach we had. I really like that. Um, I do, I've worked with and had done consults with different, uh, apparel type brands. And a question that usually comes up is how many SKUs should I launch with? Should I launch with a line of SKUs or should I keep it simple? Uh, I'm curious what you did and if that's what, like what kind of advice you would give to someone in that case? Well, that was something we were really, really considered uh, in our decision-making about. So we wanted, we were positioning this because it, it was really solving the problem that I had, you know, when I told you about it on the honeymoon where mm-hmm. I, I found a, a travel hack. I found a way to pack lighter, but it wasn't the right look. So we, we were going to create simple, stylish Marina wool basics. And our objective with the amount of SKUs that we were creating was what can we create that would reduce like the, what's the least amount of stuff we can create the least amount of SKUs that if you had this stuff, it would reduce the most amount of bag space. Okay. So we could have we could have gotten into jackets and pants and all this stuff. But we're thinking with pants, how many pairs of pants do people really bring? They're not bringing, like, if they're going away for two weeks, they're not bringing, like, ten pairs. They might bring three, mm-hmm. two, depending, you know, how you pack. But T-shirts, you know, th- that was the already the core product. If you're going away for two weeks, you might bring ten or maybe 14 or whatever. It depends on how many t-shirts you wear. Yeah. So we're thinking you can only have, you only have to bring two or three. So that reduces a lot. Of course, socks and underwear. Now you can wear multiple times. Some people are think, why would you ever do that? And it's true. You just wash them as you need to. But in the event that you can't wash them, they're antibacterial, they're odor resistant. It's very similar to wearing jeans. Like if you wore jeans out, the next day you're going to be totally comfortable wearing the same pair of jeans. Like you don't need to wash it between. So Mm -hmm. we're trying to communicate that your bag can go from being a big suitcase to a small carry on. And we decided to have two colors of t-shirts and two styles, socks and underwear. That's it. Because with just that we could take any suitcase and make it a carry on. I don't Mm -hmm. care where you're traveling. That's enough of, of, of a change in how you pack to make it a carry on. And that was our goal. And that was our whole positioning was why travel with this when you when can you travel this. with this. Yeah. That was it. It's a great answer. Cause it goes right back to your ethos of minimalism, right. And allowing that in someone's life through travel. So, mm-hmm. so I'm curious with, um, Indiegogo campaign now is about four years ago, three, four years ago. Um, when you, um, Sorry. Hi. <laughs> Edit that part out. Uh, the boyfriend's playing video games. So <laughs> when you, an Indiegogo campaign ends, and there's usually some downtime between the campaign and you fulfilling product where you need to get the product out to customers. Usually that takes six months. I'm curious, when you transitioned off of Indiegogo to start to fulfill product, what was, what was that lead time like? And what did you do in the interim? 
did you focus on sales at that point? Did you just focus on getting the product out? Just getting the product out and we're slowly tinkering with uh, what is the next phase. Like we didn't think we had, we were very happy that this crowdfunding worked. Like it, yeah. But we, we didn't think for a second that we should go out and start popping champagne because we realized immediately that we had this start. We had a, an opportunity to start a company now, but we didn't have a company until mm-hmm. people were going to our website, finding our website and going to our website and then making a purchase on that website. It's not a business. We just had a, a, a lucky start. So the, all the, you know, the, the fear that we had that we're not going to do this campaign. Right. And we were like trying to leave no stone left unturned and we we're doing all of our research and we, created this campaign and then we did a pretty good job and it was successful now that all shifted to well what if no one goes to our website and what if our website sucks and how are people going to find our website so while we were fulfilling the orders for for the crowdfunding campaign which we grossly underestimated how long it would take we thought we'd be able to do in a couple weeks and looking back that was ridiculous it took us months because of how much we had to pack the the, the whole ordeal and we were just in a tiny storage locker at the time and we're filling these and filling these and, and meanwhile we're tinkering away at our shopify store and we had planned to have unfortunately the launch wasn't going to be until december yeah. 2016 and we kind of missed the whole holiday rush but we're like okay well we missed it we'll get it up in december and then we'll have a full year ahead of us to lead up to the next holidays hopefully we are in business by then and so we set up our shopify store with a template and um we started getting our photography together a lot of it we're repurposing for the crowdfunding campaign and i remember being at a starbucks we were meeting early in the morning because one of my business partners he still had his full-time job at the time Mm -hmm. obviously because we weren't a company yet and we went into the Shopify backend to upload some photos and we noticed there were like a, a bunch of orders there and maybe a dozen or a little more than a dozen. And we never launched the website yet. We had it up and we were starting to, and we were planning this launch. How these people found us. Oh, this has been for a few days now because we just put the site up a couple days before, but there's orders. So we rushed to our storage locker warehouse shipped out these orders and we just realized there was already this momentum that started. So we had that going for us from the beginning. And that was from crowdfunding Mm -hmm. because we had 2000, I think it was 2000 customers from our original campaign. They're starting to receive their product. They're starting to talk about it. And some people were just waiting for the crowdfunding to be over so they can buy on the regular website. But we had that start. So it was a slow, you know, we had a lot more work to do. But we felt immediately right out the gates, I think we have a business. So that was it. Awesome. And so what was the timeline between you ending your Indiegogo campaign and getting the site up and realizing you had a dozen or so orders already? Um, Probably a couple months until the site went on, went live. Um, We weren't planning on switching focus to the e-commerce thing that quickly. We're sort of just thinking we'll launch in December and then really start to do a push in January. And by January, we felt we'd have most of the orders shipped out. Mm -hmm. So probably it was was probably a couple months, but we were in there morning to night, packing boxes, shipping orders, you know, in a tiny cramped storage locker. Uh, um, 
one of the the good thing about AD Gogo is you get a lot of it forces you to come up with almost everything you need for the business anyway. Aside from the product itself, uh, we had the brand. We created the brand name, the brand sort of ethos, the identity. We were working on that for a year and a half while we did this crowdfunding campaign. Yeah. And then and then um, the photography you have, a lot of it was perfect. We just took it off Indiegogo right on our website. So you, it sets you up with the tools you need to be yeah. a company. We just, I think, you know, maybe this time, unlike be getting into the clothing business, maybe we were overthinking what our website needed to be. And we were afraid of when we launch it, it has to be perfect. And has to, but then we went onto our website without even having finished what we started and people were finding it and buying. So mm-hmm. we're just like, Hey, we're here and let's get, let's just keep it moving from there. So a couple months. And although I think it probably would have taken another couple of months until we, fortunately we just had the website up. Yeah. That makes sense. So fast track to the point when your site is officially live and you're, you've fulfilled orders to 2000 backers you're a business now. Where did you focus your advertising efforts right out the gate to get traffic to your site? So I, I you know, I was hanging out with a bunch of entrepreneur friends and I, I met this woman who has a, a, a clothing company for women and just, she's just blowing up. Like her company is just like it's an awesome, awesome business. She also started from crowdfunding too. And I asked that same question that you just asked me. I said, how, like, how do you acquire new customers? Cause right now all we have is the customers from Indiegogo and the word of mouth from those customers. Mm-hmm. And she turned me on to Facebook ads and made a few connections with people who could teach Facebook ads. And that was in early 2017, I think. And you know, we took a risk. We hired a consultant that was way more expensive than what we probably could afford at the time. Mm-hmm. But we figured, you know what, the, the the good thing about Facebook ads is there's immediacy. Like when you, you put it in a few hundred dollars into ads and you can see if those ads work or didn't within a day or two if you want. And you can iterate from there and, and just A-B test ads after mm-hmm. ads after ads. And we hired a consultant, way too expensive, he sat with us and held our hand and walked us through how you set this whole ad platform up. We took stuff from Indiegogo. We took headlines from our, our copy from Indiegogo. Just we, like, again, just repurposed that up, put it into the yeah. Facebook ads platform and started tinkering. And right out the gates, we were just – also, that was better era for Facebook ads. It's still yeah. good. Maybe not during this coronavirus thing, but it, it it's still good. But back then, it was great. Yes. And that was – a, that was what really helped us scale really fast out of the gates. Like we started figuring out what ads worked, who our audience was, creating good lookalike audiences, and we went deep. And we, yeah. and because we have a background with video, my video production agency, yeah. we can make videos for ourselves. We have photography skills. So that's a little bit of an unfair advantage we had. But aside from that, it was just us figuring it out and doing it on our own. And to this day, we still – we're deep in Facebook ads and it's yeah. been the biggest driver of new acquired customers by far. Yeah. Um, and then outside of that, uh, first ma- big influencer I noticed on your site is Iron Cowboy. So I'm curious, do you do influencer marketing as well where you're getting it in front of your target audience like that? Or was that just like a one-off? 
I met him at an event here in Toronto and he was super cool. We, he organized a little 5k run and I'm like, I'm like, can I just, I just asked him, can I send you some stuff? And he, he sent yeah. back this funny quote. I'm like, that's so awesome. And if anyone looks him up, he's just such an impressive, cool guy. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was not a part of some influencer marketing strategy. It was just the fact that I was at some event and dinner and went for a run with him. Um, oddly enough, we, we haven't done anything for influencer marketing that has been substantial at all yeah. um, yet until today. So it's weird the last day because uh, I'm working to set up our whole affiliate thing now and we're, we're going to start delving more into that, but we haven't done a lot of that. And if we have, it's been sending product and they take some photos and we repost their photos, but nothing more like it hasn't been a part of our growth strategy in any way. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Man, I could take the conversation to go deep with Facebook ads, but I think something more valuable for people today is you had this amazing start where you bootstrapped a company and you grew it and you scaled it into a profitable, really successful business. But now you have the luxury of running a travel apparel brand in a time when currently travel has been put on hold for 2020. So where you relied so heavily on certain marketing channels in the past, I'm curious, what is your, what is your focus right now for like, not pivot, but like, how are you handling this in a time when it really affects your brand? Yeah, it's, it's really hard. Um, and it could be worse. It could be worse because we could be shut down. Right. So yeah. we, we count our lucky stars that we're an e-commerce business and e-commerce is, is, is a, a type of business that can weather this storm. You know, I talked to him, my friend who's running the restaurant. He's in a lot worse place than, than I'm at right now because he's literally not allowed to be open. So uh, there's a lot of these stories. Um, but unfortunately for us, if you want to look at the, the, the challenges, one, people are really afraid right now and they're spending less money. And because we're dealing with a, a premium material, it's a luxury product and it's expensive. Mm -hmm. Not people aren't one like our sales immediately since coronavirus have been taking like like a huge hit. But the big problem, of course, is we're tr positioned as a travel apparel company. Now, you don't have to travel their clothing; it's not made just for travel. But that's the positioning that we've been tinkering with. It's the positioning we started our company with. And I told you about the Facebook ads that we've been doing for years, yeah. and the. Uh, and on our website with A-B testing, we've been refining the messaging for the travel consumer for since we started. So we have a really, really good grasp on what our messaging is in this space. But now there's no travel in the world. Like, it's cut off. It's a the strangest thing that could happen to a travel brand. So, like I said, there's not – it is not clothing that is – only works for travel you can wear it at home like i'm wearing it right now and yeah. there is there is a, a certain quality that people like and there's a certain advantage to having premium clothing that is simple stylish basic a lot of people they're they're more like minimalist they buy our like one our best customer he's like a huge tech guy in san francisco and he has three houses one in sf one in new york and one in like Atlanta or something right. and he orders eight of our black crew neck t-shirt like I'm wearing now to each of his houses and he does that like once a year and that's his uniform so 
right now we're in this position where we have to take all of our messaging and not only is it not effective, it's also kind of tone deaf. Like we had ads still running throughout coronavirus and all the travel brands start, and people were like, are you guys idiots? Like no one's traveling. Why is this ad being served? So we're like, okay, we yeah. pull, so we're in the pr- yeah. pulling down, tearing the whole thing down and repositioning everything. So now we have on our website, different messaging. That's just not about travel. You know, yeah. it's, it's, um, instead of, uh, saying pack less experience more it says um the future of fashion is simple and -hmm. it's about simplicity it's about those are our brand promises simplicity um um, simplicity versatility and performance so we're really just trying to play up that message more and cater to our current customers who love our stuff anyway to sell you know sell more into that audience and I have no idea why people are buying off us during coronavirus now. Like if I were to be asked this question, who's your customer a month ago yeah. or two months, well, not maybe let's say like two, three months ago, I would be able to tell you so much about who that customer is. But just yesterday I went into our, our, our list of orders and I picked out customers who have bought off us in the past couple of weeks who have bought for the first time. And I'm going to email them later today and ask if I can get in a call. And I'm going to figure out who's buying off of and for what. Like, it, they're no longer the travel customer. So we have a lot of figuring out to do now, which we haven't done yet. So all we're doing now is overhauling all our messaging, maybe permanently, mm-hmm. maybe temporarily. Um, we're going to go through that whole process of A-B testing everything, refining mm-hmm. the messaging so that we can get to the point where, where we were before, where we know this works better than this and that works better than that. And, and we're going to talk to customers and figure out who they are because like, we're, it's like we're in a whole new category now and we have to figure it out quick. Yeah. The, 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 the thing we counter Lucky Stars for is the fact that we are e-commerce I'm at home right now. I can work from here. I always was able to work from here. Um, we're in business and we're not shut down. So we have we have to figure out how to navigate this, but at least we're able to and we're able to work. So yeah. we're lucky for that. One thing I, I love that you said is a cl- big mistake a lot of newer e-commerce brands do is they will just sit there today. Let's just say... Um, you didn't say I'm emailing my customers and not making assumptions. Like most people I talk to are like, okay, well let's reposition and just like make a bunch of assumptions about who we should test and then just like go, you know, you are taking, you're actually getting field data for what's actually working and then putting your money there. So I just want to emphasize right. that, you know? Um, and, and I think that there's some, sorry, you still with me? Yep. Yeah. The thing is, is when you start, any initiative, especially in marketing, um, you're going to make some assumptions. And when we we created our crowdfunding campaign, we were making assumptions, and it was kind of based on me because I was making this product. You know, it was my need. You know, my two business partners. I was telling them how much. You know, I pitched. Can you come help me create this thing? I pitched it to them, but it was my discovery that I needed this for me. I wanted this. So a lot of who we thought we were positioning us towards was sort of based on me. I felt like I fit into this category of the core customer, which made the marketing quite easy. If I feel like I'm marketing to a, a guy just like me, yeah. Um, when you're creating a new messaging, you, you you will make a lot of assumptions. So right now we're like making the assumption who's buying off us, and we're really thinking, okay, well, 
It's people who like good quality, they like performance clothing, but they're not in where all our stuff is. There's no visible branding. So they don't care about having Gucci logos or something on their mm-hmm. shirt, but they like knowing their shirt is like meticulously made with the highest quality materials and they're willing to spend on that. Yeah. But no one will know except them. It's good. They're paying for quality, but it's basic. It's simple. So people who like good quality, you know, luxury are willing to spend the luxury price on good quality. The minimalists, um, you know, the, we think a little bit of entrepreneurs and we have, and I think that we might be right on some of this, but you're right. You can't just assume, you know what you're talking about. You have to make some, you have to do a little bit of research to figure out who people are. And we did that. I'll give an example how we did that before we started to realize our customers are kind of like me, but a good portion of them are a lot older than we thought. And we're sort of figuring out like, what is it about people who are in a slightly older age demo that makes us like our product and started to figure out what those little nuances were, but we were able to make smart little changes. Like our model before our first model from our crowdfunding campaign was like a hipster guy. He's a friend of mine with a man bun. And we used him because he's like, Hey, it's like, he was literally renting a desk in the same office as me. And he's like, Hey, he's good looking. I'm like, can you do photos? That was it. Yeah. But, when we figured out who our customer was and we realized they're older, we said, why don't we go get a model that's older? So we found like a kind of silver fox looking dude. Mm-hmm. He has gray hair, looks really cool, you know, like, you know, like a maybe like nearing retire, but businessman kind of cool yeah. looking guy. And we created ads with him. And the second they came out, our ad performance was so much better than it's ever been. Like our return ad spend was like it exploded. So right. we just booked shoots with this guy. We made it all around. So we started gearing our ads to make people look more like in each group yeah, of who our customers were. Yeah. If you don't pay attention to who's buying off you and what it is that they bought your product for, like what problem were they solving, then you're missing the boat on tailoring the ad in the right way tailing your messaging in the right way. So it speaks to those people. And there's still, my assumption was still right. There's still a lot of similarities in who they are in some ways, mm-hmm. but being in an older age demographic is such an important change. So you have to pay attention. And right now we're figuring out, I, I couldn't even, I could tell you very little about who I think these customers are right now. And I'm excited. I have a couple of ideas if you're open to them. I'm always open. Yeah. So I had a thought, I had a call with um, my business coach earlier today and she's like, so what most people can do in a year or two, we have the opportunity to do it in the next month, right? So the entrepreneurs that are like buckling down and going for stuff are testing everything. And when I think of if you had to flip positioning for your product, I would be testing who is it that loves performance wear that's active. It's like the James Lawrence of people. So if you have a testimonial from one of the gods of Iron Man, I would be starting to get into the triathlete community because those guys have like 20 grand to spend on bikes and they love James Lawrence for performance wear. Like I'm thinking I completely understand having, it's like the girl that wears Lululemon around the house. You want to be really comfortable even though you're not leaving the house, maybe people are buying right now because they just want to be comfortable with a high quality performance material, right? So if I think of tri- uh, triathletes, I think maybe Evelyn, if you could just go on an influencer 
frenzy and get this out to as many NFL or NBA players as possible right now, um, sport professional athletes. It's kind of a shot in the dark, but you have this point right now where people are stuck at home, super bored, and maybe open to trying stuff they wouldn't have otherwise. And you may find like, you might may find a golden opportunity in this, right? So in summary, I would go after Ironman athletes, people mm -hmm. who are big into endurance sports. I feel that influencers right now in terms of pro football uh, NBA players are stuck at home, really freaking bored, and they may be open to you just sending them product for review. Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. Because um, at this point, like you, it's awesome that you're doing customer interviews but you almost don't have the time to say, okay, if this, okay, the, the five people buying my thing are baseball players, so I'll target baseball. Like you should just like carpet bomb everything that you think might work right now. And then you're gonna mm. quickly get information back, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a so, great, that's great thinking. The, and, and we were talking a bit about, like, is this the time, because because this quarter, my, one of my main focuses is to, to develop out that affiliate program and we still will target travel influencers and we're thinking like is now the time to talk to travel influencers and we were at first like I don't know I mean who knows when people are traveling again but also we thought maybe people are just not like the travel industry is so dead right now maybe this is the one time where they're so not busy that we can have the time, send them some stuff, have some good conversations. And when things normalize again, we'll have, you know, we can sort of cultivate those relationships right now. But I love what you're saying about spreading the net to so many different places. Cause I think everyone's in that same boat where, you know, it's not been that long since most people are quarantining themselves no, and we're all, we're all, we've all seen on Instagram, everyone having, wine parties on zoom or skype and yeah. we've seen everyone's home workout a million times and i think we're at the point where it's all it was very novel but we're all going to get very bored soon and yeah. uh it, i think you're right we can make some real headway right now while everyone's sitting there just looking i was so happy to come on this podcast not just because i like talking about this stuff and i, I find them interesting and it's an opportunity for me I, it's like half an hour to an hour of like talking to a human being. This is great. We need <laughs> anything that I could put in this day that adds like, something like social. So you're right. I, yeah. 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 So you're right. It's like, it's like everyone's in the same boat, just trying to f get from morning to night without losing their mind. And not everyone is going to be super productive all day, but Hey, reaching out right now to anyone could be the best timing ever. So yeah, not to mention, so a couple other ideas. Um, I'm already planning my next trip. So maybe travel influencers aren't the worst idea right now because they, you know, they, we will have trip, trips again. So that could help people in the planning stages. And the second where's your one. Next, where's your next trip? Uh, Mexico. And when? When are you planning? I don't know. As soon as <laughs> I get on a plane. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just want a beach. Um, Good plan. When you can. Uh, the other thing is James Iron Cowboy just he just launched this huge membership site that teaches triathletes um, how to go from like zero to a five k or 
training plans essentially, right? So it's big coaching membership site. Maybe for the time being to help out, you can sponsor a Unbound Merino package to his members to help like get some visibility in that community. Yeah. To, like, quickly test it, right? Love it. Love it. I should. I didn't know he launched that thing yet. That's a good look. Yeah, he did. It was like January, I think. Cool. Yeah. Just a few ideas. This is what happens when I'm stuck at home with limited human interaction. I'm like, I'm like an idea yeah. factory right now. So it's good. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. But um, that's really cool. So I guess like to, to wrap up the, because I can talk for freaking ever. Um, so to wrap this up, I guess like in this whole process of entrepreneurship, do you have any um, one piece of advice that you would give to other entrepreneurs that are just starting online? Specifically, if they're starting an e-commerce business or just in general? E-commerce business. Um, you know, there are so many little things that I think matter. But I can tell you a few things that worked for us. One, I, I think if you're in the stage of trying to figure out what it is that you were going to sell, um, I think it's helpful if you're average order size is expensive enough that it can make paid marketing worthwhile. Like if we were selling a product where our average order size was 20 to $30, it would be very hard in the landscape of Facebook to acquire a new customer without losing money. Mm-hmm. If you're selling, you know, if your average cart size is $150 to $200 and acquiring a new customer will still be profitable, can, can still be profitable. Um, so I think it's helpful to try to think about selling something a little bit more expensive because if you're selling something cheaper, not only do paid ads really hard to, to make work, but also in order, in order for the whole business to work, you need to have such volume of, of sales. So it's better to try to sell less things at a higher price Makes than sense. tons of things. So that's one. Um, and I think it's really, really important to focus on timing. Um, before I launched Unbound Merino, we had a sock company, you know, socks designed by street artists. And long story how we got into that. And I'm actually proud of that company, although we never really got it off the ground too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm proud of it because I think it was really cool. Like, I liked the brand. Um, we worked with really cool street artists from the city. They designed the socks and they got a share in the profits. of. So if they sold any pair with their design, they would get cut in on it, plus being paid for the designer gotcha. uh, up yep. front. So the whole thing was cool, but the problem with it was we created it in a time when funky socks started to become really popular. And if it's becoming really popular, it's already too late for you to start. Like we were saying, look, happy socks and stance and these things are blowing up and everyone's all of a sudden wearing colorful, crazy socks. So we created a sock company and everyone and their uncle had a sock company at the time. So yeah. the, the reason why I was so drawn to doing this crowdfunding for Unbound Merino was because I was going around asking people, have you ever worn a Merino wool t-shirt? And they'd be like, a wool t-shirt? That sounds like it doesn't make any sense. And people were so unaware, unless they were already outdoors people, people that were like, you know, portagers and and, uh, the people who knew it, they knew it and they loved it. But most people just didn't know. And I felt like this thing there's there's not a lot of companies, not a lot of people turned on to this yet. Timing really matters. So that was a pattern I saw with other people's businesses, and that was the number one thing that really compelled me to want to launch this thing. It's like I, I'm like I think we can introduce a lot of people 
to this incredible material for the first time and we can do it in a way that's unique to our own vision mm-hmm. so those are two things that at the top of my head that really stand out but in general for entrepreneurship i think if someone's just starting out the most important thing is and i and, and i live and die by this and i think it's the most important thing for anyone is mm-hmm. be very careful or very particular of who you surround yourself with um it just if you surround yourself with people who are, you know, ambitious and they're, they're entrepreneurial and, you know, they're successful and they're proactive and they're optimists and all these qualities, that is the bar in which you want to live. If you surround yourself with people who are lazy and, and distracted or, and pessimistic, that's the bar in which you live. So that's a more of a holistic thing just to anyone, but like that's the literally the most important thing because mm-hmm. not only is it practical, like I told you, I was hanging around with this unbelievable entrepreneur who she told me how she was scaling her business and I just look up to her so much yeah. that that was a very practical thing. She said, and she gave me the connection for who the consultant was that we could hire. Awesome. Yeah. But sometimes it's not that just it's not it's not that sometimes it's just hearing the way people the way their mind works and you realize that your mind you're not, you're not thinking that way you're not thinking that big but also sometimes you can see really successful people and they're not thinking big enough about something you think big very very big ideas about and you realize oh I didn't realize I'm actually very uniquely skilled there so the whole thing to me is who you surround yourself with and that's sort of the the fluffy advice I'd give to anyone starting a business but it's real that's huge because it's kind of without getting all woo woo like you it's like you almost absorb the thoughts of those around you and the actions and the habits so if you are if you don't have good people around you you're not going to rise up to the occasion you're actually going to be brought down yeah so It, it really really matters it really matters awesome well, this has been great. Um, if people want to go and buy shirts and apparel, where can they go? Where's your website? Unboundmerino, M-E-R-I-N-O.com. Or you can look up Unbound Merino on Instagram, Google us, whatever, you'll find us. Love it. Uh, I'll put everything in the show notes below. Or guys, be sure to go to kirsten.com if you want to get the full blog right up on this. Um, heard that, Dan, great to talk to a fellow Canadian in the same city as me. So Yeah. <laughs> Although it seems like we're a world apart now because no one oh no God. one should be leaving their house. No one goes outside. Well, I might see you with yeah. your dog at some point. But yeah. Jesus. That's true. Awesome. Yeah. All Thank right. you so much. It was great talking and uh, stay healthy. You too. Thanks. See ya. Hey, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. For more like it, as well as free resources, be sure to head over to our website, which is kirsten.com. It's K-H-I-E-R-S-T-Y-N.com. And if you do not want to miss another episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms or catch the video version of this on YouTube. Apart from that, we'll see you next time. Are you launching a product on either Kickstarter or Shopify and you're feeling completely overwhelmed with the process? Hi there, my name is Kirsten, the CEO of Launch and Scale. To date, we've helped several online sellers sell millions of dollars online and scale their business from zero to seven figures by focusing on building an audience of fans that will actually convert into paying customers. If you're serious about building a seven-figure e-commerce brand with less time and less risk, you should check out our product launchpad. PLP is a proven accelerator that takes you step-by-step through the process of launching and 
scaling your product brand. Brands like the Monk Manual, Aberlite, Series Chill, Jamstack, and several others were all launched using our product launchpad. So if you'd like to be our next success story, go to launchandscale.co slash PLP to learn more. And for a limited time, we're offering a seven-day trial of the product launchpad for only $1. Again, go to launchandscale.co slash PLP to learn more.